This is the Joy of Discovery. This is Ben Payton, and thank you for being with us today. Our topic is the River of Life, which uh, brings to a conclusion our brief look at the book of Revelation. We are contemplating setting up a class time, and where folks that are really interested in this would come and, you know, they would walk away with the notes that I would be working with, and it would be much more in depth. But when we come to the river of life, which is uh, Revelation chapter 22, you know, it's talking about similar things that uh, were talked about in the first chapter. Keep in mind, apocalyptic literature was a system of communication to people who were struggling, who were uh, under persecution, and it made use of weird images and lots of hyperbole. But the people that, you know, under persecution, they understood exactly what John was talking about. They knew who the beast was. They, uh, they knew and recognized these things. But his primary message was pretty soon this persecution would be lifted and good times would return. Where did this come from? Well, the Persians at that time pretty much uh, had lots and lots of influence of that part of the world at that time, and they believed that going on in the um, heavenly realm and the human realm was a struggle between good and evil. There were times when good prevailed, times when evil prevailed, times when they were pretty much neutral. But uh, during the times of persecution, they believed that pretty soon either God or his representative would intervene and good times would return. And that's what we basically have here. Uh, The book of Revelation is a book of encouragement, and that's what I love so much about it. And for years I had been seeking to uh, find what I believe, without a doubt, was uh, the true interpretation of the book of Revelation. Well, Where did the interpretation come from that we grew up with? It came from a guy by the name of John Darby. I've asked a lot of of people if they knew uh, John Darby, and uh, some had heard of him and some haven't. I remember the first time I heard that name, I believe, was uh, at Calvary Tabernacle on Orange Avenue, where I was the pastor, and I believe that Dickie Gibson had a John Darby study Bible. His brother told me that. That was the first time I heard that name. As I put in and did more research to find out, I found out that John Darby is credited with this concept of what's called Darbyism or dispensationalism, but it's his concept that uh, he wrote about. And then there was a guy that helped make this system of study popular His name was Cyrus Schofield. I know uh, Lincoln Fuller gave my father, Reverend Harry Payton, a Schofield study Bible. But that was basically uh, what we grew up with and what we understood to be the truth. And I personally always kind of struggled with it. I wasn't too much into church at that time, but uh, no disrespect to my father or any of you, but it just kind of seemed little bit like a fairy tale. And as I grew older, got into the ministry, it became even uh, more confusing. But once I discovered John Darby and did my research, I found out that the system that we grew up with about end-time prophecy 
came from John Darby, and it was universally accepted. This began to take place during the 1800s. All right, let's read today in Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I can't tell you how many times I've heard my father read that passage of Scripture. The last component of this apocalyptic unit clearly emphasizes that the persecution, comma, now has been removed and is no longer an obstacle for the people of God in the execution of their duty. Which brings us to this question, what is their duty? What was their duty? What is our duty today? To take God's revelation to the world and to offer new life to all the nations. Later on my podcast, I'm going to talk about how you are saved. And when I found this in the Gospel of John, it revolutionized my life and understanding of how simple and powerful it is that God can bring you to him without bawling and squalling and begging, uh, you know, God to forgive us of our sins. We'll deal with that in some later podcasts. So anyway, the persecution has been removed, no longer an obstacle for the people of God and the execution of their duty, and their duty to take God's revelation to the world. At certain times, the difficulties in fulfilling that duty make the task extremely hard. At other times, the task is not so hard. And the only thing needed for the people of God to do what they have been called to do, after all, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations, and there are 12 kinds of fruit. That is, this scene depicts the work of God's people to call others to be a part of God's community. And you know, I think God modeled for us community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, he doesn't really doesn't uh, didn't create us to live alone, but to live in community. Let's read verse three. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. Verse four, and His name will be on their foreheads. Verse five, and there will be no more night. They need no light or lamp or sun for the. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So the servants will reign forever. God called Abraham into a covenant promised through Abraham and his seed. All nations would be blessed. Their task, take revelation of God to all the earth. God brought the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt to make God's name great in all the lands. When they broke covenant again, they were taken into Babylonian captivity. The people were allowed to go home from exile. Coastlands were waiting for God's instruction. People's responsibility at that time was to make God's name known. Now we come to verses 6 through 21, the conclusion of Revelation. 
and the frequent reference to things happening soon. Now, if you recall, when we started in the book of Revelation, it talked about soon. It talked about the time was near, and here we talk about it again. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Coastland meant covering all the world. Now people of God are being persecuted. They cannot go into the world to make God's name known if under persecution. They can be faithful under persecution, which would be a powerful witness. Once persecution, though, is gone, people need to go make God's name known to resume their elective calling. Now, there's been some discussion of of this. As a matter of fact, I had a discussion, I believe it was yesterday, about a sermon that we heard on Sunday, and it seemed to have a to-do list to make God's name known. But I don't think a to-do list works well for everybody. You know, you have introverts and extroverts and other kind of verts, but we're all, you know, we all have different personalities. We, We are comfortable with a crowd, some of us, and some of us are not. So who we are, our integrity, our character, the way we approach people in our own personality is what can bring attention to the fact of who we serve. Verse 7, see, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now we come down to the benediction at verse 8. Soon doesn't mean in the future. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. But I don't want you to to misunderstand. Verse 8, I, John, am the one. I'm the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So John falls down to worship the angel, and once more, again, he's told by the angel that he's a fellow servant of God. Don't worship me. Worship God. Here's your coffee, Peyton. Thank you, Ruth. Verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Verse 11, let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Verse 12, see, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. God says, I'm coming soon to repay everyone for their work that they've done. What is their work? It's not physical work. It's not a task. It's their faith. Their endurance by faith. That's what they will be rewarded. A new place without persecution. Jesus said in verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 14, blessed are those who wash their robes so they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside, verse 15, are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 16, it is I, 
It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony of the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let everyone who hears say, Come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. This passage, taken by some as a curse on anyone who disagrees with their interpretation of the text. But this is standard apocalyptic ending, not a curse. Guaranteed that the statements are true. And since they're true, don't add anything or take anything away. Just read it the way it is. And it offers this guarantee. Persecution will be over soon. Keep in mind... John was writing to people who are being persecuted, and he's giving them words of encouragement and instructing them that the persecution will end very soon. Verse 19, if anyone takes away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I come soon. It's talking about the end of the persecution. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all saints. Amen. Here we are at the conclusion of today's podcast, and these are the last things I'd like for you to consider. Revelation was written about 90 or 95 A.D. Domitia, he was the dude bringing all of the uh, persecution. He died in 96 A.D., and that ended the persecution. If the writer was addressing people of Asia Minor in this time, his statements were true. Persecution did end. If the message was a prediction for the end of the world or final return of Jesus, the writer was not correct. The book of Revelation is not talking about the end of the world or the final return of Christ. It is talking about the end of persecution to those Jews coming home in the post-exilic period, and still suffering. But he was saying to him, the persecution will end soon, and it did in 96 AD. That's what you call a prophet. Things that are promised and said come true in their lifetime. Thank you for being with us today. Don't forget our website is benpayton.com. Payton is spelled like Peyton Manning, P-E-Y-T-O-N. We'll see you again next week. And to all of you that listen, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being around. We're building this new podcast. Those you think might have interest, uh, be sure to invite them to be with us. They can go to the website and see of all of the places that our podcast is released. So until we meet again, this has been Peyton, the joy of discovery, keeping it real. <music>